0: fishing for a show aimed at the outdoor enthusiast tune in to bass pro shops outdoor world saturday at 10 a.m and 5 p.m eastern on rural radio sirius xm channel 147 and on the sirius xm app
1: Welcome in to Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World, brought to you by Bass Pro Shops. If you love fishing, hunting, and the great outdoors, and want to make it even better, you're in the right place. With host Rob Keck, your adventure starts right here. Good
0: morning and welcome, and thanks for tuning in to Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World, brought to you by Bass Pro Shops, where truly, your adventure starts right here. I'm Rob Keck, your host, and in spite of the COVID-19 crisis, I just hope that you're having a wonderful Saturday and and getting a chance to social distance in the great outdoors. Well, we are in the month of May and for the most part uh, the final month of the spring turkey season for many states and uh you know, many of the northeastern states just recently opened uh, at the beginning of May and uh, they're going to run to the end of month through the end of the month, but uh state of Maine's going to go through the first week of June. Well, with that said and with hunting action continuing to heat up, And public boat ramps continuing to reopen in many places that were previously closed. The fishing continues to be on fire as well. You know, there's lots of action out on the water and in the woods all across the country. And that means before you head to the woods or out on the water, you've got to stop on by. Check us out online at Bass Pro Shops or Cabela's. And you're going to find the latest gear at the very best prices on everything you'll need for fishing, hunting, boating, recreational shooting, and off-roading. And yes, even with some of our retail destination stores having limited restrictions, uh, you can always check us out online at BassPro.com or Cabela's.com and just have it delivered right to your door. Well, we've got a great show today. Two outstanding guests with us uh, uh, this week will be the founder and the president of Carlson Choke Tube, Scott Carlson, and he's going to be giving some tips and advice how to get your shotgun shooting its best. And then rounding out the show is the driver, the number 19 Joe Gibbs Racing Bass Pro Shops Toyota, Martin Truex Jr., and he's going to bring us up to speed on NASCAR's season and more. But before we meet today's guest, I once again want to offer sincere thanks and continued prayers to our frontline medical workers for their tireless and long hours treating the many thousands of coronavirus patients around the country and literally around the world. And you know, we extend those thanks and prayers also to our first line responders for their service to our community. And we're truly blessed to have those that offer themselves in the line of duty. Well, if you've ever shot a shotgun with screw in chokes, I'll bet you've heard our guest's name, or at least the name of the choke tubes that carry his name. And you can find these products at Bass Pro Shops and Cabela's. You know, I heard of this legendary craftsman for for many years before I actually met him, and it was through one of my turkey hunting friends. He was a a master turkey hunter, a turkey book author. His name was Earl Groves, and he hunted with Scott. And I learned about Scott's skill of fine-tuning shotguns. Well, I've had the distinct pleasure of hunting with him in his native northeast Nebraska, and uh, he comes to us today from his office and home in rural northwest Kansas. Please make welcome. The founder and the president of Carlson Choke Tubes, LLC, my good friend, Scott Carlson. Scott, welcome back, and I trust you're healthy and coronavirus-free.
2: Absolutely, Rob. Hey, happy to be back with you. And again, just like you said, you know, our thoughts and prayers out to everybody out there on the front lines fighting this pandemic you know these just crazy times we're in right now and hey we're all going to get through this and we can still enjoy the outdoors. Yep. and yeah anyway our thoughts and yep. prayers with all the people you bet you well scott uh you know what's happening
0: with social distancing in rural r- way rural atwood kansas what's happening there
2: well i tell you what when you live out here in western kansas you're social distancing all the time because <laughs> we, live a, we live in a pretty rural area. Our county 30 miles by 30 miles, and there's only 2,900 people in our county. But, you know, we're very fortunate out here. Uh, three or four counties around us, none of us have any cases um, yet in this area. And I would say about a third of the counties in Kansas don't have any reported cases yet, you know, and I'm sure that's mm-hmm. going to change. But, you sure. know, there's a lot of positive things turning this thing around out there, these frontline workers. And anyway, everybody fighting this. We'll get through this. And anyway, uh, things out here in the country are about the same. You know, the farmers are going about getting their crops in the ground. And, um, you know, it's it's just pretty much the same thing. You wouldn't even really know this thing was going on if you didn't listen to the news. Yeah. Well, has it affected your business at all? Well, uh, we're considered an essential business. You know, not only do we manufacture thousands of choke tubes, but we also manufacture magazine extensions. We manufacture barrels for shotguns, and we also do a line of snap caps. So a lot of our stuff goes to law enforcement. I'm sure it gets in the hands of military. And so we've been deemed an essential business. And so we've been able to keep our people working. Uh, We're working smarter than we used to. You know, we keep things cleaned up more so than we ever did before. Uh, We do our distancing We've got different workstations set up differently than we had before. So we're all paying attention and and just trying to get through this thing and make good products for people.
0: Sure. Well, look, you entertain a number of guests throughout the year, and uh, I know you get to see some common mistakes that turkey hunters, waterfowl hunters, and others make with their shotguns. You know, what's the most common mistake? You know, we're in turkey season now. What's the most common mistake you see that turkey hunters make with their shotguns?
2: Well, I would say the number one mistake made is, you know, people take their shotgun or they go buy a new shotgun, they buy a choke because they know they need a tighter choke tube, and then they buy some turkey ammunition because they know they need that to turkey hunt with, and then they go hunt. And they never shoot their shotgun before they go hunt. So, you know, they don't know where their shotgun shoots, they don't know how the choke works with the ammunition, but yet when they go deer hunting, they put a scope on their rifle, they go sighted in. But big mistake not doing that with the shotgun. Yep. Well,
0: it is a good idea to pattern your shotgun. And, uh, you know, tell us a little bit about patterning one. Uh, we've got just about a minute here before we need to take our next break and we can catch up with it in the next segment. But, you know, why should they pattern and should they do it at different distances, different loads? Uh, talk to us about that.
2: Well, great question, a very important question. This will make you a better hunter, too, if you do it. So um, the importance of patterning is, number one, you figure out where your shotgun shoots. And you may find that funny and think, well, my shotgun shoots where it's supposed to point aim. Well, I would say 90 percent. Possibly 85% of shotguns do not shoot exact point of aim at 40 yards or 20 yards. So that's the importance of patterning your gun. So I tell guys to take a 30 by 30 inch piece of paper out there, put it on a board. If you like them little turkey targets, then put that over the top of that paper so you can catch all these pellets at 40 yards. You know, use some type of a bench. You know, it doesn't have to be fancy. It can be the back of your tailgate but just something with sandbags so that when you shoot, you can hold that gun as steady as possible, just like you would your deer rifle when you're sighting it in. And then, you know, when you've got your turkey choke that you want to test and you've got your turkey loads, and then shoot that piece of paper at 40 yards and see where the center mass of that pattern is in relationship to the dot or the turkey head you shot at at 40 yards. Is it spot on on his head or on the dot or is it high left? you know and that's probably what you're going to find you're going to, a lot of guns shoot high so you may find your gun shoot six inches high at 40 yards after doing this and if you find that then you aim at his beard and not his head and shoot over the top of him look let's stop right there we're out of time in this segment we're going to come right back to it so scott hold that thought
0: we got a lot more to talk about i'm rob keck your host right here in bass pro shops outdoor world and we will be right back
3: years ago, sportsmen led the first revolt to save what was left of North America's dwindling wildlife resources, and it took purpose and commitment. This crusade began with Theodore Roosevelt forming the Boone and Crockett Club in 1887. Since then, sportsmen and women have been at the forefront of every environmental revolution in this country, providing the vision, funding, and manpower to establish and run what has become the most successful system of wildlife management in the history of mankind, yet To this day, our story remains relatively unknown, especially to those who don't hunt or fish. We must tell this story, but we need to do more than that. We must insist that others who claim to be conservationists but work tirelessly on campaigns to end all hunting honestly examine the evidence and then ask themselves, where would the wildlife they cherish be without sportsmen's dollars and without sportsmen's efforts? Conservation had a beginning, but it has no end.
1: To learn more, visit booneandcrockettclub.com to Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World on Rural Radio, Sirius XM. And welcome back
0: to Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World. If you've just tuned in, we're visiting with the founder and the president of Carlson Choke Tubes, my good friend, Scott Carlson. Scott, we were talking about patterning. I sort of hurried you there in that last segment, but it was really, really important. Why don't you sort of recap that very quickly and then add to it, if you would.
2: Yeah, you know, just back to that patterning, you know, it's so important just to figure out where that shotgun shoots, just like with your deer rifle, putting a scope on it or figuring out where the open sights are shooting. So doing this at 40 yards at a big piece of paper helps you catch all those pellets. And when you shoot at 40 yards... And you go down and look at the paper, you're gonna see why it's important having that 30 inch by 30 inch piece of paper with either your target over that or a dot that you're shooting at. And then you're gonna see exactly where that gun shoots You're going to see exactly how the choke is patterning with the turkey load that you're planning on using, and then you can compensate or figure out what you need to do from there. So, you know, there there are scenarios that happens where a gun shoots left or right, maybe six or eight inches, and it's pretty hard to compensate aiming at a turkey, you know, six or eight inches to the left or the right of his head. (laughs) So you may want to compensate putting a red dot or something on the the gun to compensate for that and getting the gun to shoot dead on yeah all right well you mentioned 40
0: yards is that the only distance you should test uh, you know some guys uh you know, they're good at calling those birds in and maybe their average distance is 22 uh or you know with some of the modern loads you know some of these manufacturers saying boy you can you can take them at 50 uh you know i don't like to promote that but tell us about distances just 40 or other distances too
2: Well, we pattern everything nearly at 40 yards, but we've done some testing out to 70 yards too. So, I mean, we've shot at 10, 20, 30, 40, all the way out to 70 and 10 yard increments. But I will tell you at 20 and at 40 and at 50, your patterns are going to be about the same place at all those distances. Mm -hmm. At 60 yards, things start changing a little bit, you know? And I don't advocate shooting a turkey at 60 yards, but. These new loads they've got out, these new TSS, which maybe we'll talk about later, but some of these new loads they got out are sure capable of doing that. But, you know, you and I have turkey hunted a long time and I can judge distance pretty good, but there's been times when I shot birds that I thought were 40. And when I walked out there, he was at 48. And that's that's the advantage of having some of this better ammunition and a good choke tube. You betcha. Well, what would be
0: a, a lethal number of pellets? let's say you've got a ten inch circle. What would you try to strive for at, at forty yards? What would you what would you go for? Well
2: what I'd look to at forward? least get some density in that ten inch. So you know, I, I would look at getting something around a minimum of a hundred and fifty pellets. And, you know, some of these new loads that are out there, you know, you can drive that up well over 300. So I think if you've got 150 pellets in that way, shotgun triggers aren't the best. You know, I'm a gunsmith, and and they aren't like rifle triggers. So when you've got a bird out there and you pull the trigger on him, it's not always spot on where you are aiming. You might pull it two or three inches left or right. Mm. And if you still got that pattern density in that 10-inch circle of at least 150 to 180 pellets, you're going to kill that bird. Yeah. Yeah. Well, look, once you've got that comfort
0: level with with patterning your gun, uh, what kind of advice would you give uh, in shooting at, uh, you know, you mentioned a bench rest, but, you know, when you're turkey hunting, you know, you're not shooting off a bench rest. You're sitting on the ground, uh, face mask, gloves, uh, attired for the hunt.
2: What, what would you advise there? Well, if a guy's got time, I sure advise, you know, shooting in scenarios or like you're going to be sitting down using your knee or taking a set of sticks with you. I mean, when my kids were small, I always took shooting sticks and I always had them shooting off those. The the other thing you can do is you can also shoot a hunting or trap load with that turkey choke and not shoot those high dollar turkey loads (laughs) and, 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 and still figure out where the gun's shooting. So... But shooting sticks, I think are real important when you're turkey hunting, uh, maybe not for a more experienced hunter, but if you've got kids or first time hunters, boy, they, they can be the difference between hauling a turkey home and watching one run away for sure. Yeah, for, for sure. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, you've, you've mentioned
0: about those shooting sticks and, uh, I've got my grandchildren, which run in ages from six to 10 and all of them shoot off those shooting sticks, and uh, it just helps them really stay on target. They're using a red dot scope which or sight, which has really been been a help. Uh, you know, when you look at those different distances, and, you know, you, you've mentioned about using some cheaper field ammo. We've been doing that as well because, you know, when you look at the price of, uh, you know, some of these TSS loads, and I, I don't want to cut corners when I'm hunting but I do want to save some money when I'm out there practicing trying to get uh, things going. You said that uh, you really won't find much difference uh, in what ways when you shoot that, that field load. Talk to me a little bit more about that.
2: Yeah, the, the field load's going to shoot the same point of aim or where your shotgun shoots. So just because you go from a turkey load to a, a pheasant load or a trap load, it's still going to show you center mass. It's not going to show you as much because those turkey shells are a lot denser, but it's still going to show you where the gun shoots. And it's going to show you if you pull the shot left or right. The other thing that I do, and you've probably done this too, Rob, because you've got young kids you're taking out hunting. I never let one of them shoot one of them turkey loads.
4: And especially
2: if (laughs) I shot shotgun much, because when they pull the trigger, they're going to not like the association of that with, what happens so i I let them shoot trap loads which is still going to show them where the gun shoots and 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 get them used to shooting the gun yeah absolutely well let's say you bought a shotgun that uh you know comes equipped with
0: what it says a full choke why should i consider buying an aftermarket choke and how should i go about selecting one we've got just about a minute here
2: yeah, good question. You know, a full choke is pretty tight, you know, for waterfowl hunting where you're shooting a distance, maybe to, to 45 or 50 yards, it'll still deliver a pretty dense pattern. But when you're dealing with turkeys and you're dealing with, you know, penetrating feathers or skin and getting into a skull or vital areas, uh, you need more density or, or more pellets. So a full choke is About 30 thousandths constriction not to get too technical here uh, Modifieds about 20 thousandths of constriction a turkey chokes about 30 to 40 thousandths more constriction than a full choke So it's almost twice as tight as the full choke is that kind of gives you an idea of what type of Density you're getting out of these chokes. So it's a lot tighter throws a more dense pattern with less flyers and that's the big advantage of an extended turkey choke or actually any extended choke yeah well look we got to take our next break folks we will continue our conversation
0: with scott this and a whole lot more coming right up and i'm Rob Kank, your host right here on bass pro shops outdoor world thanks for joining us and we will be right back
5: This is a public service announcement test from TakeMeFishing.org to determine if you need a fishing license and boat registration before heading out on the water. Let's begin. Are you a bear? Do you have a beak? Does your name rhyme with old Beagle? Do you dart in front of cars? Here's a tough one. Do you have plumage? Do you rub your body against things to mark them? Do you have webbed feet? No, I mean like a... Were you hatched? Do you have fur? I'm not talking back hair. Does your boat fly south for the winter with the other boats? Regardless of how you answer, you need to be licensed and registered because it helps local conservation efforts protect the very natural resources you enjoy boating and fishing in for generations to come. Do your part at TakeMeFishing.org.
1: Back to Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World on Rural Radio Sirius XM, and welcome back to Bass Pro Shops
0: Outdoor World. And thanks for joining us here. And we're visiting with the founder and the president of Carlson Choke Tubes LLC, Scott Carlson. Scott, you know you mentioned TSS, and uh, you know s- stands for Tungsten Super Shot, and it's certainly taken the turkey world by storm. What makes it so superior? Or maybe it's not. But what makes it so superior? We'll assume that it is to a lead or a copper clad
2: shot. Well, the the, the big thing is, is it's twice as heavy as lead. So think about that a second. So it's twice as heavy. So you can shoot a nine. A number nine TSS pellet is equal to a number five lead pellet. So if you think about the number of pellets in a number nine two ounce load versus a number five i mean your pellet density is huge for instance in a 410 with number nine tss at 40 yards we're getting 186 pellets in a 10 inch circle out of a 410 so that gives Repeat you an that. idea of what this stuff will do i mean it, it's a tremendous new load that they've got out on the market for sure well, repeat that again. I don't know that
0: everybody got to really understand the full depth of that. I mean, this is like
2: major, major. Say that again. Yeah, yeah. so TSS is twice as heavy as lead. So and it, so a TSS nine shot, number nine, which you know, all we ever used that for before was skeet shooting, that now has a knockdown of a number five lead. So we've all hunted turkeys with number fives or fours or sixes. Well, now you can run twice as many number nines and get the same knockdown as a number five. And like I said, out of a four ten and a 10 inch circle with TSS nines out of our turkey choke, you can get 186 pellets in a 10 inch circle, which 12 gauges don't do that with lead. Yeah. I mean, that's
0: like a swarm of bees going at that turkey's head and neck and, uh, so, you've got the downrange energy. You know, a lot of people just don't quite understand that with it being twice as heavy as lead. You've got the same downrange energy as what you'd have with that lead five, correct?
2: That is absolutely true. And uh, you watch some videos of turkeys getting shot with those nines, and, and they don't flop much. So, it it's not a sales pitch. You know, a lot of this stuff I see with a lot of claims anymore in this world is sales pitch, but... TSS is not a sales pitch and it's the real deal and it puts turkeys down even those smaller pellets those number nines you know yeah soak this in a 12 gauge so you get a 12 gauge three inch number nines out of one of our turkey chokes in a 10 inch circle at 40 yards 404 pellets <laughs> I, mean, I mean there's not that many pellets I don't think in a number five two ounce load so no. now Now you can put that many in a 10-inch circle at 40 yards. It's just, it's amazing.
0: Yeah, it really is. Well, how do I know, how does one know if if TSS is okay to shoot in their shotgun? Maybe they have an older shotgun. Uh, Is there anything to consider there?
2: Well, one of the benefits is because this stuff's so dense and it's got so much knockdown that you can shoot smaller pellets. So most of these turkey loads are, you know, 7s, 8s, 9s, and even 10s, believe it or not. Um, so you can run those. You know, I'm a gunsmith. I wouldn't be afraid to run them through even an old Model 12 with a full choke on it. I mean, these smaller pellets aren't going to hurt that shotgun. You know, if they if you were shooting 2s or you were shooting double Bs in this hard stuff, I, I dang sure wouldn't recommend that, but... Um, you know, you want a tight choke. I mean, I recommend turkey chokes because that's what you're doing and you want density. So, you know, hopefully you got a gun that accepts chokes and you can get a turkey choke for it. But if you got an older gun and you want to shoot a full choke, I think you could get those TSS-9s and probably get your eyes opened up at 40 yards with that gun and yep. be lay a bird down at 40 yards with with just a straight full choke probably. Yeah. Well, how do you how does
0: one know if a particular choke tube's threads are going to fit their shotgun? Tell tell our oh. listeners how they do that.
2: Well, that's a great question, you know, and and we deal with this question every day and every company nearly that makes guns has two or three or four different types of chokes that fit their different guns. So, it's important when you buy a vehicle to figure out, you know, what type of oil it takes, you know, I tell guys, go to your owner's manual and find out what type of choke system your gun takes because, for instance, Benelli's got four different choke systems, Beretta, four different choke systems, Remington, three different choke systems, Winchester, three different choke systems. So go to your owner's manual, find out if your gun takes, you know, a Beretta Benelli mobile choke or a Winchester Browning and Vector Plus choke. Find out what choke it takes and then look for that turkey choke that's going to fit your shotgun. But don't just buy a choke tube because not all choke tubes fit all shotguns. Like I said, they make a lot of different ones. We make over 2,200 skews of different chokes. Wow. So that ought to be an eye-opening number that there are a lot of different chokes out there. Yeah. Well, look, we'd have just about a minute here, but I wanted to ask you, uh, you know, looking at maintenance,
0: how often do you remove a choke tube and oil the threads or, you know, what oil do you recommend? Or is there anything else I should do to, to take care of that choke tube?
2: Well, I, I recommend taking the chokes out after every hunt. And that way, if you get any moisture in between the barrel wall and the choke, you'll, you'll see that and you'll clean that off. You can use oil on a choke but i like grease better uh Mm -hmm. any type of gun grease or choke tube lube over oil is better and you only need it on the threads so I, i tell guys especially waterfowl hunters get them chokes out of there every time after you're done hunting yep well look we're going to take our next break we return going to continue this
0: educational conversation with the master of shotgun patterning and choke tubes my good friend scott carlson This and a whole lot more coming right up. And I'm Rob Kek. You're listening to Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World. And we will be right back.
3: Golf is more than just a game. It is an experience. And some experiences are so enjoyable that they become memorable. Cherished for a lifetime. Top of the rock, Buffalo Ridge. Come closer to nature, closer to bliss, and closer to heaven than you ever imagined. This. Is golf in the Ozarks.
1: Back to Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World on Rural Radio, Sirius XM. And welcome back to Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World. And if you've
0: just tuned in, we're visiting with the founder and the president of Carlson Choke Tubes, Scott Carlson. Scott, you told me some time ago. And then you mentioned it earlier in that first segment of the show that uh, most shotguns do not shoot straight on. And I want you to just talk about that once again, because I don't know how many times I've run into hunters that said, man, I took it right out of the box and, uh, you know, I shot at that turkey and, uh, uh, and I missed him. But you said they don't shoot straight on. Well, what percentage don't? I mean, tell us a little bit more about that.
2: Well, it's a high percentage. I mean, I would say 80 to 90% of them don't shoot dead on. You know, they shoot close. And if you're shooting a modified or a full choke and you've got a gun that shoots two inches to the left or two inches to the right, you know, it don't matter a lot because, I mean, you know, you still got a big pattern out there. You still got 30 inches of pattern to hit a duck or a goose or a pheasant. So, but when you start shooting with these tighter turkey chokes, and you start nailing stuff down to a 10-inch circle at 40 yards, and you got a gun that shoots three inches left or three inches right, that's when it starts making a difference. And that's, that's why it's important to know where the gun shoots. You know, I tell guys, a high shooting gun isn't a bad thing. I'd rather have a high shooting gun probably than a gun that shoots dead on, just because you can see the turkey head or you can see the target you're shooting at, and you never lose sight of it when you pull the trigger. If you got a gun that you shoots point of aim, you got to cover the head or cover the target to break it. So, and then if you get a gun like we mentioned earlier that shoots left or right, say six or eight inches, you know, then we might have to rethink that and put some type of a red dot or a scope on your shotgun for turkey hunting uh, or some different type of sight system. You mentioned Earl Groves earlier. You know, he always had a rear sight on his gun to where he could adjust it. So, you know, there's a lot of other options out there if your gun doesn't shoot dead on. So it's not the end of the world, but there's a lot of guns. That's why this patterning is so, so important. Well, it is. And you really saved my bacon on
0: one of my particular uh, turkey guns. It was a 20 gauge. And uh, I adjusted that sight as far as I could, and I still couldn't get it on. And I think you had to end up bending the barrel.
2: Yeah. Do you remember how far off? I mean, I think that one was pretty near 12 inches, wasn't it? That yeah, it shot I mean, off? It, it was like unbelievable. And you
0: couldn't yeah. hit anything with it. And I I adjusted the rear sight as far as I could and still couldn't
2: bring it on to, onto the target. And uh, yeah. you, you saved me right there. <laughs> yeah. We, we call it adjusting the barrel. And you can take it to a gunsmith and have that done. And they actually bend the barrel and get it to shoot to point of aim. So, yeah. It is something that's done for sure. Yeah. Well, are ported choke tubes better than
0: non-ported ones?
2: No, uh, they are in the aspect that they will reduce recoil some. So, you know, for a kid or a gal that's shooting or somebody that's maybe had a shoulder surgery and is recoil sensitive, uh, uh, ported choke will help a little bit. A lot. Of, there's a lot of misconception out there, Rob, about a ported choke shooting better than a non-ported choke and that's just absolutely not true so some there are some claims out there but you know i would say a ported choke will shoot like a non-ported choke it just give you a little recoil reduction Hmm. well how about waterfowl chokes i mean you know we've been just talking turkey here for the most part but
0: uh tell us about those um, i mean are they different from standard flush mount choke
2: tubes Well, you can use a flush mount choke for steel shot in some constrictions. We make all of our steel shot tubes, most of them are all extended. I mean, you can run steel shot through all of our chokes up through full choke constriction, but we make primarily extended chokes for steel shot because you get better patterns with less flyers because you have what they call a longer parallel section or choke section inside the choke tube. And we make a cremator series waterfowl choke, both ported and non-ported. We work with delta waterfowl. We make a delta waterfowl choke. And then we work with federal, and we make a black cloud waterfowl choke. So all those type chokes are extended, and they're extended because they throw better patterns. And that's the same thing with the turkey chokes. The extended tubes throw better patterns, and you can get denser patterns at longer distance. Well, I I assume you make choke tubes then for all models of
0: shotguns?
2: Yes. Yeah. I think we got, I mean, there was a few of these imports coming in that got some oddball threads on them, but when you make over 2,200 different skews of chokes, which we do, we pretty much got everything covered. Yeah. Well, I know that uh, at Bass Pro Shops, we can find them, but uh,
0: is it true that you also uh, manufacture a redhead line of choke tubes?
2: Yeah, that, that's true. We've uh, manufactured the Redhead line of chokes probably for 15 years, and we also make the new Black Max waterfowl chokes for Bass Pro and Cabela's, and we've got a Blacks, Black Max turkey choke. Both of those chokes are ported that we do for Bass Pro and Cabela's. So we've wow. had a long relationship with Bass Pro. Uh, and we appreciate that relationship. and Anyway, we've got a lot of good customers out there using the product. Well, I know turkey season's in in Kansas. Uh, Have you had any luck this spring? Yeah, we've we've been able to get out and do some hunting. I mean, that's one of the advantages living out here in rural America. We can still do that type of stuff. Uh, Our non-resident hunters in both Kansas here where we live, although we're really close to the Nebraska border, just 15 miles away, and neither state allows non-residents to hunt this year if they didn't purchase their licenses before they made the announcement. So we're seeing a lot less hunters, uh, still lots of good bird numbers. But, you know, we're hearing from customers all across the country. There's just a lot of people getting out hunting. And now they're starting to get back out and doing fishing where they can do it. So uh, that, that's one of the great aspects of our country is we can get out and do these things and enjoy the out well, there's no question that
0: uh, this is a relief valve for so many people. You know, during this time when you know for weeks they've been pinned up, and uh, you know, for for so many, uh, I mean, this is this is just a godsend to be able to go out there with family and friends, and uh, you know, enjoy the great outdoors. Well, look, that's going to take us to our next break, Scott. Unfortunately, we're out of time, but thanks for being with us today. Thanks for all that you do to make us uh, more effective and efficient out there in the field good luck with the remainder of the turkey season stay safe and folks we return gonna be revving up our engines for the 2017 nascar cup series champion martin truex jr this is rob keck and we will be
4: right back you know it takes the right habitat to conserve and grow healthy wildlife populations. At Pheasants Forever and Quail Forever, we're committed to helping landowners voluntarily protect land and wildlife habitat forever. Benefits here go beyond protecting habitat for upland birds and wildlife. Native grasslands protect soil, provide valuable resources for the ranching community, and serve as a natural filter to enhance water quality for all. We need your help to protect America's grasslands for future generations. Creating and leaving a legacy is within your reach. At Pheasants Forever and Quail Forever, we're here to help you make a difference. Healthy habitat and abundant wildlife Build it today to last forever. To learn more about how you can help us protect America's uplands, please visit us at PheasantsForever.org slash legacy.
1: Back to Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World on Rural Radio Sirius XM. And we are back, and thanks for tuning
0: in to Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World. And if you've just tuned in, we're introducing our next guest. Well, Martin Trex Jr. is the 2017 NASCAR Cup Series champion, and he's in his second season driving the number 19 Joe Gibbs Racing Toyota. And, you know, he earned his first win with the team at Richmond Raceway in 2019 and followed by six more with wins at Dover, the Coca-Cola 600, Charlotte, Sonoma, Vegas, back in Richmond and Martinsville. Well, Martin has 26 career victories in his series. He previously drove for Furniture Row Racing, where in his five years with the team, he, he amassed 17 victories, including the Coca-Cola 600, the Southern 500, and three berths in the championship four playoff round. And Martin was also two-time Xfinity Series champion and 13 wins in that division. And back in 2006, he earned the title of Rookie of the Year. Well, all of us at Bass Pro Shops couldn't be more proud to see the big Bass Pro Shops logo on the hood of the number 19 as it circles and leads its way around the major racetracks across the country. And there's little doubt that when racing resumes, Victory Lane will be occupied by this champion driving the number 19. Well, let me tell you, when he's not talking racing, he's talking fishing and hunting. And when he's not talking about it, he's actually doing it. I want you to welcome back. Our good friend, Martin Truex, Jr. Martin, welcome back to Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World.
6: Well, thank you, Rob. I appreciate it. It's always good to talk to you. Hope you're doing well in these uh, these crazy times we're in. (laughs)
0: I'll tell you what, it is crazy. And, uh, you know, talk about crazy. We have a mutual friend in Mark Zona. And, Martin, I had Zona on the show two weeks ago, and he told me that you two flat tore up some monster bass, in a little-known spot <laughs> in Arkansas. Is there any truth to that?
6: Well, there's plenty of truth to that. We, uh, we did, you know, Mark and I have been, uh, been friends for, for some years now. I met him years ago, uh, been fishing, and been, been buddies with Kevin Van Dam for a long time. And I met him. Uh, Kevin, brought him to a race in Michigan, I met him there. And we started talking about, hey, someday, you know, I, I told him I was a big fan of a show, and I'd love to go on there someday and do it. And we've literally, every year, talked about how we could make it happen, and this year, you know, we had uh, we racing. You know, stopped happening. Everything was kind of locking down. And you know, he called me. He's like, "I got an opportunity. If you can make it." And uh, so we did it. We put it together, and we put we did a uh, zona a zona show, and we did a zona live show, um, on Bassmasters. dot com, and just had a blast for uh, you know <laughs> an afternoon, and caught a ton of bass, a lot of big ones, and it's uh, a lot of fun. He's a really neat guy. I enjoyed uh, enjoyed fishing with him. Yeah. Well, he's been. uh been outspoken
0: in michigan and finally we got motorboats back uh, on the waterways in in that state and man how crazy it has been but by the way off of that he went he went to say that uh, johnny marsh saw some of the pictures of those huge bass that you guys caught and he wanted to know exactly where you two were fishing but wouldn't share the location now is that true are you keeping that from johnny
6: well i don't even know where it was they drove me there and i'm gonna tell you right now, <laughs> the way I, there's no way i could find it again if i even tried you know what i'm saying so it, yeah. uh, it's a it's a really neat little hidden destination uh on the guys um uh, it's a private place this guy's out on his farm and yeah it's it's hard to find it was hard to find you know the second time we went back after the first day so it was yeah. uh, it was crazy but really, yeah. really neat really neat little place in the middle of nowhere it's uh you know the guy's got a nice place there
0: yeah, well, the last thing relative to that trip, everybody wants to know, okay, uh, what did you catch them on? You know, when you're catching big bass, they want to know what baits, what what really was, I mean, if you had a go-to bait, what were you catching them on?
6: Uh, Thunder cricket was the go-to, so a vibrating jig, and uh, they were just, they were crushing it. They were all pre-spawn fish, they were feeding up, they were eating pretty much anything you threw at them, but the, the bladed jig got it done the best. Mm-hmm. Well, no and also doubt. one of my favorite favorite ways to fish, because when they hit it, I mean, they hit it like a dang freight train, you know what I'm
5: saying? <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah,
6: yeah, there's no no
0: uh, tentative bites on, on that at all, and, you know, there's right. there's no doubt that the racing world, like most of the world, is is in a much different place than we've ever been, and, you know, I trust that you and Sherry are safe and healthy and virus-free, but, you know, what comes to mind is, what what is a, uh, a racer, a guy that, you know has led the way i mean a cup champion what do you do to stay on top of your game
6: during this kind of a situation what do you do do each day well honestly i mean we've just been kind of um you know doing like everybody else and just staying home and uh, i've been on the water fishing a lot obviously i've got uh you know most of the time by myself sometimes with sherry and the dog and you know, just trying to stay, you know, stay away from everybody as much as possible. And and honestly, when it comes to the racing car things, there's not a whole lot you can do, you know, to, you know, it's not like we can practice, you know, you got to have a racetrack and a team and a car and everything to do all that. So it's, there's not a whole lot you can do to kind of keep your mind in the racing game other than talking to your team. And, you know, we're still planning for the races upcoming, which, you know, it looks like we're going to start going here um, about the middle of May, I think around the 17th or something they're talking about. So um, you know, between now and then really it's just all planning with the team and trying to you know, make sure that we have all our ducks in a row. It's going to be, uh, you know, our schedule is going to get condensed because they want to make up all the races. So it, a lot of it's just been about planning and, and a lot of planning on the team side as far as you know, having cars ready and where are we going to race and how, how is this all going to work. So, um, you know, from, from my standpoint as far as, you know, trying to stay uh, up my game as far as the driving thing, there's really not a whole lot you can do. So we've just been just been relaxing here and uh, you know, just chomping at the bit to get going. But been out fishing a lot and uh, just you know, trying to enjoy our off time as much as possible. Yeah,
0: well, certainly it's some newfound time. And uh, you know, there in Florida, you got a lot of different opportunities. What else are you fishing for besides bass? Uh, you do any saltwater stuff?
6: Well, uh, I, I pretty much 99 percent of what I've been doing is saltwater. So um, been catching a lot of snow. That's one of my favorite fish in the whole world to catch, and uh, that's been a lot of fun. So, been enjoying that, figuring out some new spots down here, and uh, you know, kind of, kind of just uh, doing my thing. You know, it's been fun, but I'm ready to get back to racing and ready for the world to get back to normal. Yeah, I think we all are. How about turkey hunting? Have you been? I have not had a chance to go. You know, it's um, to do it. I'd have to travel and be around other you know people. I I don't know where they've been. So it's yeah. Kinda, yeah you know it's kind of a bad time for that and i don't i don't have anything here local that i can do so i'm definitely missing out on the turkey hunting this year but uh you know maybe before too long i'll be able to get somewhere yeah well
0: i hope you can well look uh we're going to take the final break of our show here and uh we'll continue our visit with martin this and a whole lot more coming right up And you're listening to bass pro shops outdoor world this is rob keck and we will be right back SiriusXM's XM's Rural Radio, your gateway to the rural lifestyle. This is Rob Keck, host of Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World, with the latest information about hunting, fishing, and
1: more. This is Janet Atkinson, host of FFA Today, your in-depth look at the nation's premier youth organization. Get connected with Real Ag Radio. This is Sean Haney. We'll talk markets, agronomy, machinery, and cover the real-time issues affecting farmers and ranchers in all of North America. Rural Radio, Sirius XM 147, or listen on the Sirius XM app.
2: In 1912, Theodore Roosevelt said,
0: There can be no greater issue than that of conservation in this country. More than a century later, his statement has never been more meaningful. The Theodore Roosevelt Conservation Partnership promotes Roosevelt's commitment to the sporting life by guaranteeing that all Americans have quality places to hunt and fish. Visit trcp.org to learn more
1: and take action. Back to Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World on Rural Radio, Sirius XM. And welcome back to our final segment of Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World. And we've
0: been having a great visit with the driver of the number 19, Joe Gibbs Racing, the Bass Pro Shops Toyota, Martin Truex Jr. You know, Martin, what is life like around the, the racing world? I mean, you you said about, you know, you've really, you know, been pretty much staying at home. But what are the other drivers doing? Are, you know, do they are they doing physical workouts? Uh, you know, are they doing some kind of,
6: uh, you know, virtual driving? What what are the other guys doing? Yeah, I think, you know, what's something that's gotten real popular here in the last month or so since we've been off has been uh, racing, which is um, an online uh, racing deal that you can do. And uh, I used to do a lot of that back in the day when I was coming up through the ranks. And um, I have a, Little simulator set up at my house in North Carolina, and uh, obviously that's too far away to get to. So when I get back there, I'm going to start getting on there and making some laps, and uh, maybe get on there with some of the other guys. But really, everybody's kind of been doing the same thing just uh, just laying low and racing online a little bit. So uh, I've been fishing instead of racing online, but uh, hopefully <laughs> oh, good. I'll, get into that. I'll get into that a little bit here shortly. <laughs> good,
0: good. Well, I know you're working with a new crew chief, James Small, uh, in this season. How's that working out? And what's it like when you have to change crew chiefs?
6: Yeah, it's um, you know, it depends on on the situation, really. And I think for me this year and working with James so far, it's been really, really good. And uh, I'm really excited about what he brings to the table and, and what we're going to, you know, go accomplish going forward. And uh, it's a shame that we only had you know four races real quick to figure things out. Um, and now we're on, we got to be on this hold, but. Uh, I feel really strong that he's going to do a great job, and uh, you know, for me, the transition's been easy because he's worked on our team for the last few seasons. Uh, you know, he was part of our he was part of Furniture Row Racing uh, the year we won our championship, and then he was uh, my engineer in 2018 um, and in 2019 as well. So he's been there with uh, with Cole and I through a lot of what we've been doing, and really, really is similar to you know Cole Pern, which was my, my previous crew chief, and, and the way he does things and. You know, the way we communicate, he understands all that because we've done it for years. So I feel really strong about what he's, you know, bringing to the table and, and the job he's done so far. And look forward to uh, seeing what we can accomplish in the future. Yeah.
0: Well, you mentioned about mid-May, uh, you know, with maybe the next race taking place. Where would that be? And and how do you envision the remainder of that season looking like? If they're going to work in, you know, the schedule that's been missed, How in your opinion, how's that going to work?
6: Well, it's going to be busy, that's for sure. And, um, you know, they're looking at a lot of different options right now. I don't think anything's set in stone. Um, you know, I, I believe it changes day by day just based on the state regulations and what's going on, you know, as far as that goes. But um, they're looking at kicking it off in, in Darlington, um, I believe the 17th. And I think we're going to start out doing races close to North Carolina where all the teams can drive. So nobody's got to get on airplanes and, and you know, have 50 or however many people you put on an airplane, 100 people. Mm-hmm. Know, keep uh, keep everybody somewhat separated from that aspect, and uh, do a lot of the tracks that we could drive to. And there's going to be a few races a week. It's not just going to be on Sundays for a while. Um, and they're talking about you know probably not having fans in the grandstands for a little while as well. So, uh, like I said, it changes day by day. But um, you know, so far that's really the plan going forward. But I think the big thing is we're going to get back on the racetrack. Uh, I think it'll do great on television because nothing else is going on. <laughs> and, um, we're going to, we're going to put on some great races, um, at some awesome racetracks and it's going to be, you know, more than one race a week for a while. So, uh, there'll be a lot of action, a lot of things going on and it's going to be tough on the teams. It's going to be tough on everybody just to, to, you know, prepare cars in such short order sure, and, and, and race that often. But, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I think it's going to be fun. It's going to be something totally different than we've ever done. And, uh, it's going to take some getting used to, for sure, but I'm I'm uh, excited about it and looking forward to it. Well, look, you've been a cup champion,
0: an Xfinity champion. What does it take to be a champion? What does it take
6: to be a winner? You know, it just takes a drive and a never-give-up attitude. You know, I think, um, you certainly look at my career, there's been a lot of ups and downs. There's been a lot of times where, you know, I was I was wrote off and people thought I was done and couldn't couldn't get the job done anymore, and you just keep fighting and clawing for what you believe you can do, and, And continue to put in the effort and and the hard work that it takes so uh, I've been very lucky in my career to be with some great teams and and surrounded by a lot of great people that believed in me not only at the racetrack but here at home as well and and my family and everybody so uh, it's been it's been tough uh, but anything worth doing is is a challenge and uh, you know I accept that challenge every single week when I prepare for the next race and hopefully uh, have a chance to go out there and show what I can do.
0: Obviously, there's a lot of elements to to become successful, whether it's the car, your chief, the team, having the right tools. But talk to us about the mental part of this, you know, to to go through the the ups and downs, the trials, the tribulations. How do you how do you get your mindset right that you can win, that you will win and you can be back there in victory lane? I mean, how does how does one
6: deal with that? Well, it's difficult, and I'll, I'll tell you one thing that uh, that is really hard to explain to people. You know, look at last year; we had a great season. We won seven races, right? Yeah, we lost twenty nine races. So, <laughs> in a great season, you have you have to learn how to, you know, have realistic expectations, and you know, sometimes you may finish tenth in a race, but you feel like you did a great job, and it was like a small win. Mm-hmm. You know, so you're, I think you're always, you're always just trying to take the positives out, out of everything. Obviously, you have to remember the negatives. You have to learn from those to get better. But focus on the positives, use the negatives to make yourself better. Uh, but always stay focused on what you're trying to accomplish. And it can be tough because, you know, you get, you get derailed a lot on different, different things. And, you know, in, in racing, a lot can happen. But you have to focus on your job, how you did. Did you do good? You got to be honest with yourself. You know, if you didn't do a good job and you feel like you got to get better, you got to work on it. So um, it's a t- it's a tough job, but it's a fun one. And uh, you know, like I said earlier, it's, I, I really enjoy the challenge of what we do. It's so difficult. There's so many great drivers and great teams, and um, there's just a lot that goes into it, and it's a huge challenge, which makes it a lot of fun. Yeah, we just have a less than a minute
0: left. I want you to just tell us about your foundation, the Martin Truex Foundation, and you know what your team's doing to raise money and awareness for ovarian and childhood cancer.
6: Yeah, so we started the foundation back years uh, back 20, uh, 2006, I guess, and um, you know it's we've done a lot of great things. You know this this spring um, coming up was supposed to be our big fundraiser of the year, catwalk for a cause, and it's, it's been postponed because of uh, of everything going on, but. Uh, that's our big fundraiser coming up. We're going to move it to the fall sometime. So if everybody will check out our website on that, they can do. But we've been doing doing some work, raising some uh, money, and, and getting lots of donations for uh, my local hospital back where I came from in New Jersey, and as well as the hospitals that we've been working with and around Charlotte um, with the pediatric cancer side on on trying to help their frontline workers and um, you know trying to help the people that are uh, you know putting their lives on the line and, and trying to help everybody stay uh, stay safe from this virus. So that's what we've been working on currently, but. We have a lot of projects going on and, uh, we're still in the midst of, uh, building hospitals, um, you know, pediatric, um, emergency unit, and two of them right in Charlotte, one in Honorsville, on in Charlotte. And, uh, so we're doing a lot with that as well. So, uh, got a lot going on, staying busy. And, um, you know, everybody, even in these tough times, everybody's really been engaged and, uh, and, and, and helped us, uh, you know, continue to, to work on our goals with the foundation. So I want to thank them all for that. And, uh, just check us out on the website and see what we're doing at martinsurexjuniorfoundation.org. And uh, it's all up there. Martin, God bless you, man. Thanks for what you do. We're
0: out of time, but congratulations on, you know, your continued success, not only on the track, but in life. Stay safe, and we'll be looking for you in victory lane. Folks, that's going to wrap it up here today in Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World. I'm Rob Kack, on half of Bass Pro Shops, where your adventure always starts right here. Thanks for answering the call. That call to preserve rich hunting, fishing,
1: and trapping heritage. See you next week. This has been Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World. Talking all things outdoors brought to you by Bass Pro Shops, your outdoor leader. Join us next Saturday and every Saturday for more special guests and unique locations.